0: All right, y'all ready to get into the Word of God? Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Just going to try to continue on where we left off last week and uh, got a lot to cover, so we might not get all of it today of what I've got wrote down here. If you listen to the podcast, there's uh, people out there that uh, don't get to come to the church for d- various reasons. There are people who go to other churches that listen to the podcast. And this past Wednesday, we have, we have Wednesday, at pretty much every week, we have a Wednesday Bible study, and that goes out on the podcast. And then the Sunday morning worship service, Not the worship service, it comes out on a CD, but just the teaching part of it, the preaching part of it, goes out on the podcast. Uh, So this past Wednesday, uh, there was a surprise on the podcast. If you didn't know, and you were listening, you heard my son Joseph uh, do a Bible teaching out of Romans 6 and 7. So Joseph is what, 20? You're 20 years old. So, he's young, he has not gone to Bible college, but neither have I. He went to public school, so they don't teach you much these days. Uh, you end up saying things like, more gooder, oh thank you for the shirt, I washed it, I want, re- re- I'm wanting to wear it soon. I didn't think it, I should wear it during Sunday service, but I thought about wearing it on Wednesday. But then I had to go to a track meet, and Joseph bailed me out, and he did some preaching. But that shirt says, funner, on it. I I mentioned it on a Wednesday, and then the very next Wednesday it showed up. So it says, funner, and underneath it has the definition, more gooder than fun. The public school system is pitiful in teaching kids grammar, spelling. You can talk badly in grammar, and they will not correct you. They don't do that anymore. So, I say that because, you know, Joseph will see a word, he, he, he'll try to say it. He makes up some of his own words sometimes. Because he's just trying the best he can. Now, I commend him for, because he, he's doing these videos. He used to do videos on sports. Uh, he did, uh, this is YouTube videos. They post them on, on YouTube. And he was really into sports in the past and just devoured every kind of sport. Well, nowadays, he's not so concerned with sports. He's more concerned with the Bible. Uh, so now he's taken that passion of wanting to present sports on YouTube and, and have his own YouTube channel all that. He has now changed, and he wants to teach the Word of God. Um, Third John four says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth." <clears throat> so I'm happy that he's wanting to do that, but he's inexperienced. He's going to make mistakes. He, and it, you know, he would love for you to comment on his YouTube channel. Would love for you to say you said that wrong or you don't. That's not right. It's not going to bother him. I don't think it's going to bother him at all. And he's going to love the fact that you're listening and that you're commenting on it because he wants more and more people to view that and in today's message i'm going to correct some things that he has done but he's learned them from other people he hasn't learned he learns a lot on his own but he learns from other people that he's listened to and he has watched some of those people that he has uh, listened to bible teaching he has seen them over time get sucked into things that aren't quite right. So, um, if you do listen or watch his YouTube videos, feel free to comment and to, uh, he's putting out so many of them, I can't keep track of them. You know, I've, I've got to work to make a living. I have to do my own study for Wednesdays and Sundays and I can't listen to everything he does, so I'm trying to keep track of it uh, just so I can help him along, but I can't keep track of all of it, so if you were listening to them and you see something that's not quite right, you know, we need to, or, but what, what I've, what the comments I have gotten so far is there people are just so happy that he's wanting to do that, and he's, he's covering some things that I'm, I even learned from him. I listen to uh, and I'm like, wow! I didn't see. I haven't seen it that way before. That's pretty cool. So I'm learning. I can remember. What has it been now? 14 years ago, something like that. Back in 2009, when the jail was being built, it was 2008, 2009. The jail is finally done, and I go in there to do jail ministry. If I would have waited till I was prepared and had enough Bible knowledge to do something like that, I still wouldn't be there. If I was going to wait until I was perfect, I would never start any kind of ministry. But I'm also concerned that they let me go right into that place and didn't really know what I was going to teach them, didn't know what type of person I was, other than that I haven't done anything bad because I passed a background check. But I could have taken any kind of nonsense into there to those guys. That concerns me. A few years back, when I was asked by the former district superintendent to be a fill-in preacher here, I was very concerned that they didn't want to talk to me and find out what my beliefs were. That's concerning. That's concerning. So the former denomination that we were, they didn't seem to care what was being preached in the churches. Uh, is it Huntington Court? They're, they're shutting down and they're merging with, I think, Southview. Just for those who you know, may know the churches of the area. I was just talking to somebody who uh, goes to Huntington Court and they told me that they were shutting down. They were asking, you know, since we have moved from that denomination, we're no no longer part of it. But that particular denomination is dwindling big time. So, in Hebrews, let's go to, let's let's, uh, read a little bit. Last week we were in this very same section and I'm going to try to break down this little section of scripture that is tough on a lot of people it is tough and it's and like i said the last couple weeks it's it can be scary when you read this and um, really pay attention to what it's saying and it is it is talking about moving on from the basics where you're a baby in christ moving on from the basics and getting into the meat, to where you're becoming mature in your Christian walk. And last week we talked about the doctrine of baptisms. Now there have been several words that religious people have taken and made it into something that it's really not, or made it all-inclusive in meaning one thing. Because there is that doctrine of, that one doctrine of baptisms, plural, and I think I showed you where there is one true baptism and the other ones is a picture of the one real one. We have the word repentance that we have messed up, and when you hear somebody say you need to repent, what comes to your brain, and it's... it's it's falling down and asking for forgiveness of your sins, or turning away from your sins and all that. Repentance, repentance, uh, it, that's not all it means. It's repent toward God is the most important part of it. You must turn toward the one true God. Uh, sanctification, we use the words justification, sanctification and glorification. And we, as religious people, we've made justification to mean getting saved. That's what we mean by it. But that's not all it means. Sanctification, that process of living a Christian life and becoming more and more holy over time, but that's not what sanctification means. It simply means you've been set apart for a purpose but we've taken the word and made it mean more than what it really means. So in in any kind of church setting, when you hear the word sanctification, you will probably automatically think of that process of becoming more like Christ over, over time. And I think we've got glorification down pretty good because that's something we're waiting for. It's our hope that one day, if we die in the process That will be raised up out of that grave, resurrected into a glorified body, and we're going to be with, you know, we know that Jesus is going to make a place for us. That song that we just sang, um, when we all get to heaven, we we believe in that verse that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. So, justification or justify that's what we're going to be talking about as I get through this and we're going to be going to different places in the Bible and we're going to talk about what justify to be justified or what justifies and I'm going to show you in the Word of God that it doesn't mean just salvation it can in certain places it's talking about our salvation but it's not always throughout the Bible talking about salvation Way different than just than salvation. Way different. I'm going to start reading right after that. Let's go ahead and read 4 again. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Now, we've already gone over that a lot. You can go back and listen to podcasts, but that is a scary verse. It makes it seem like if you were saved and then you fell away from it, that you couldn't come back and be saved again. Now, here's, this is going to explain it a little bit better. It says, For the earth which drinketh in the rain, that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat, or suited, for them by whom it is dressed, so the people, you're planting a garden, or you're planting fruit trees, You're you're preparing these things and the rain comes and the rain goes into the earth and it produces. That rain helps to produce. Now when we see water, when we see the rain from heaven, we can think of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming into us. Jesus has prepared us. The Holy Spirit has come in and we're going to produce good fruit. So like the earth and the tomato plant, and the apple tree and they're going to produce because the rain comes down and it soaks up that rain and what it's supposed to produce it will produce now i've got some junk trees over on my property over there that are good for nothing really but to cut down chop up and burn in the furnace now i could take those junk trees over there and i could get a whole bunch of apples get a sack of apples and and put little hooks on them and go out there and I could hang apples all over that tree. And people could drive up and from a distance go, that is an awesome apple tree. I've never seen so many apples on a tree. But if they was to walk up to that tree and get close to it, they would go, wait a minute, this isn't an apple tree at all. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians, people who call themselves Christians, they are professors of, they just profess a faith. They say, I got faith. And they've just hung apples all over themselves, saying, look at how great I am and how faithful I am and how much I believe. They just want to look good to everybody, but you're not fooling God. And when someone hangs around you long enough, they start to see that you've just hung apples all over yourself. And you're just trying to look like you're producing fruit. But if you plant an apple tree in nice fertile, fertile soil, and you don't have to hang apples on it. Just get out of the way and watch what it does. It will bear fruit. So whom it is dressed, I'm at back at verse 7 of Hebrews 6, Whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So, what, is, what are you a branch that's been grafted into a tree that the root is grounded, who is that branch that we're to be grafted into? It's Jesus Christ. And have you been grafted into Him, or are you really producing just thorns and briars that are going to be rejected? And it's just good for cursing, and will end up being burned. But, beloved... We are persuaded better things of you and things that, here's the title of the message, things that accompany salvation. Things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work, and labor of love. That's the second part of what you could title this message. You can title this message, Things That Accompany Salvation, and then the subtitle could be, Your Work and Labor of Love, which ye have showed toward his name. That's why you would do it. Why would you have a labor of love? Why would you work for the Lord? Because Of his name and loving him, in that ye have ministered to the saints. Now, how do you minister to the saints? There's all kinds of ways you do that. It's not just teaching the Bible on YouTube. It's not just standing up here and preaching a message to you. We've got an example of Ilona ministering to people every day at a drive-through at a restaurant. And how she touched so many lives that that many people would have come out on her 10th anniversary and listened to her. And she could do anything she wants for her 10th anniversary, but what does she want to do? She wants to sing at 10 a.m. 10 gospel songs on her 10th anniversary of working at that place. That She's not doing it so that she can put that on her resume to get into heaven. It comes naturally. She's not hanging fruit on the tree. She's just doing what is going to happen because she's rooted in the right thing, which is Jesus Christ. And she wants everybody else to know her Lord and Savior. That's why we do what we do. So, if you are truly in the doctrine of Christ, as you grow in that, you're going to produce the fruit. It's going to happen. And when when you say, I have faith to other people, there should be fruit or works to back it up. Now, we know that we cannot do anything work-wise to earn our salvation. The things that will be, the fruit that will be produced, the good things that come, herbs and meat for them who whom dressed it, they're going to happen. You're, you're going, you're, when you become born again, you're going to have a desire to read the Bible. You're just going to. You're going to want to save somebody's soul from hell. You're just going to want to do that. It comes natural when you believe in the Lord Jesus and what He's done for you. Those things are going to happen. So, if you call yourself a Christian, you should have things that accompany salvation. Those things should be there. All right. Uh, all right. Let me finish reading uh, a little bit more of this before we move to another place. I think I read minister. All right, you have this is verse end of verse ten. Have minister to the saints and do minister, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence. See, there's that's a work word, diligence, to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That ye be not slothful, another another word that you need to pay attention to, but followers, you're doing something, that's an action word, of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What are the promises? Keep going. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could... Swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. That was a huge promise to Abraham. And hopefully, you know the story of Abraham. I don't have time to go into it right now, but God went to a man who had nobody, he, didn't, he had no children, he had no sons whatsoever. His wife had been barren. She had never produced a son for him. And God went to him and told him that through his seed that all the world would be blessed. All the world would have faith through what was going to come from him. That was a promise. Saying surely, all right, already read that. Uh, 15, And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, for men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, things that could not change, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. You know, there were cities of refuge that were set up, and people who had, had accidentally killed someone, the way the law was set up, that family could put you to death. Because you killed, it, it, it wasn't out of, it wasn't really murder, it was just maybe you were doing something stupid, and it caused somebody else to die. You didn't mean for it to happen, but that family could kill you because of it. So you had to flee to a city of refuge. You, all of, every one of us in here, because of the things we've done in the past, this, we're just, we have sin in us, and the 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 punishment for sin is death, but yet we have a a better priest who has made a way for us to escape that death, and we are in that city of refuge being under the protection of Jesus right now, and we're hoping for that end. You know, when the priest, when the person who was the priest at that time, when a person back in the Old Testament went to the city of refuge, when that priest died, then he was free. Right? Oh. So, our high priest died on the cross to set us free. So, the Old Testament, it's just doesn't mean anything anymore and we don't need it? You'll hear pastors say that. The Old Testament, it's just not for us anymore. Really? All right, us uh, refuge nineteen. Which hope we have as an anchor? Jesus Christ and what He did is our anchor. That's what we, that is. What's holding us from being wind blown into the rocky cliffs? Just imagine yourself being a ship, and you you need an anchor to keep you from destruction. That's and, and this is a rough world we live in. Rough times, we're going to go through things. It's going to get worse and worse as time goes on, and we need that anchor to hold us and to keep us safe. As an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that that within the veil. So what did Jesus do when he died on the cross? He went up to Calvary, he took his blood, and he took it to the real Holy of Holies. He made the temple not efficacious anymore. It just doesn't matter. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made and high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right, now there's all there's so much I want to get into. There's so much I want you to see. Um, now let's go to James. Go over to see. We're in Hebrews, the very next book is James. So, it's really quick to get there. Just turn a few pages and go to James. Now, here's where you're going. The people who are so concerned about people mixing works with faith, because if you mix work with faith, you're not getting real salvation. So, with, with uh, that in mind, people are trying so hard to preach faith alone, faith alone, faith alone. But what I'm saying is there are things that are going to accompany your salvation. Now, James seems to be a contradiction to faith alone. Seems to be. But it's because you don't understand what justify means. That's why. It's such... So there are these preachers who will try to discount... James. Now here's how they do it. The very first verse of James. Now look, you don't want to take any words of God away from the Bible, right? Now you don't physically go in and change it, but if you start to tell people, look, this book of the Bible really isn't for us believing Christians. Are you taking the words of God out? It's dangerous ground to be on to do that. So it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Oh, it's to the twelve tribes. Are any of y'all, to the, are, are y'all, any of y'all part of the twelve tribes? Okay, well let's throw it out. We can throw it out, right? Because it's to the twelve tribes. Here's a list I got right here. Luke, the Gospel of Luke. You like it? It's one of my favorite gospels. It is my favorite gospel. But but, when you get to verse 3, it says, To write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis. Oh, it's to Theopolis. It's not for me. It's not for us. It's to Theopolis. So let's get rid of Luke. What about Acts? I always wrote to Theopolis as well. All right, so we can get rid of Acts. Romans. You get down to verse 7, it says, to all that be in Rome. Are you in Rome? It must be for just the people in Rome, so we can get rid of Romans. How about 1 Corinthians? Verse 2 says, unto the church of God which is at Corinth. Oh, it's for the people at Corinth, so it's not for us either. So we can get rid of that one. 2 Corinthians says the same thing, so we can get rid of that one. You know, the Bible's getting much, much easier to read really quickly. I'm not done, i got a whole list here. Galatians, verse 2 says, unto the churches of Galatia. Well, that's not us. Ephesians, to the saints which are at Ephesus. All right, we can get rid of that one. Philippians, to all the saints in Jesus Christ which are at Philippi. Uh, Colossians, to the people of Colossae. Thessalonians, to the people of Thessalonica. Same thing in 2 Thessalonians. Timothy, it's to Timothy. Unto Timothy. Well, that's just for Timothy, so it's not for us. 2 Timothy, it says to Timothy as well. Titus, it says to Titus. And then Philemon, it's unto Philemon, Appia and Archippus, and to the church in thy house. So it's for those three people and to their church. So that's not for us either. Hebrews. It's not addressed to anybody. We can keep that one. How did he get, the word, how did he get Hebrews as a title? But anyway, we can keep that one. Well, I already showed you we've got to get rid of James, so that's the next one. How about 1 Peter? To the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I don't see Lafette there. That's not for us either. So get rid of 1 Peter. 2 Peter. To them that have obtained like precious faith. Have you obtained like precious faith? If so, then, then, then 2 Peter's for you. Alright, so, so so far we Matthew, Mark, and John are good. Hebrews is good. And 2 Peter, if you have obtained like precious faith, then it's for you as well. 1 John, it's not addressed to anybody. We'll keep that one as well. Second John, to the elect lady and her children. I don't think that's for us either. Third John, I I read a verse out of it earlier. Too bad I did because that's for the well-beloved gaius. Jude, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So if you meet those three criteria... If you're sanctified by God the Father, if you're preserved in Jesus Christ, and you're called, then Jude can be for you. Revelation. It's to the seven churches which are in Asia. We got very little Bible left because I've already told you that there's a lot of preachers out have said that the new, the Old Testament, is just outdated, and it doesn't uh, matter to us anymore. So we got very little Bible left. If you fall into the trap of being told that this is to the twelve tribes, it's not for us. If you're going to use that logic, then you're getting rid of a whole list of the New Testament. Don't do that. If it's in the Bible, it is for you. It is for you. Now, people can take the podcast... And they can take out certain things that I've said and they can say, that pastor over there, he's told everybody that they need to get rid of all this stuff out of their Bibles. They don't play it. You know, people people like to do that. They'll pull out what you say, the things that can get you in trouble, they can talk bad about you, but they don't tell the whole story. You've got to tell the whole story. And for me to purposely leave out James because I have a problem with with, uh, faith and works or whatever, and I don't quite understand it, doesn't mean I should not talk about it. I've got to give you all the word. Alright, let's look at uh, James 1, 22 through 27. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was, but whoso looketh into the perfection, or the perfect law law of liberty, law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed." If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue. um, All right, I don't need to read that. All right, we need to move on. All right, let's go over to uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, the King James Bible, which I preach out of, I read it all the time. It can be confusing the way the words are you, if you get a newer version of the Bible, they're going to turn, they're going to move words around so it flows better, like way, the way we speak today. So there are verses because the King James Bible translators were so concerned about doing it word for word, they didn't move anything. So you read certain things and it makes, it doesn't make sense to you. The first verse of chapter two. It says, my brethren, that means that James is talking to fellow believers. He says, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's very confusing. But what is he saying it about with respect of persons? This whole first half of chapter 2 is about, you're standing back there as a greeter, and a guy pulls up in a very fancy car, $1,000 $1,000 suit, walks in, and you, you give him special treatment because he might put a big check in the offering plate. And you put him up in a very fancy area of the church, but then you got somebody comes in that looks like they're dirt poor and they just want something from us, and you have them sit down on the floor in the very back. That's what it's talking about. And it's saying, it says, have, take, take not out. Have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect to persons. It says don't have a church service if you're going to be that way for people who come in. You treat everybody identical. They're all precious in the sight of God. That's what it's saying. A newer version of the Bible is going to say it in a different way to where it will make more sense to you. But it is not saying, my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not saying they don't have the faith. It's saying the opposite. It's saying don't have that faith in respective persons. Don't have a church service if you're going to be that way. That's what it's saying. That's all it's saying there. But people will take that and totally destroy it. All right. Now let's go to verse 14. What doeth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and what and have not works? Can faith save him? Just saying that you have faith in Jesus, God, whatever, you, just saying that doesn't save you. You must believe on the finished work of Jesus Christ. What did, what did the Philippian jailer say when Paul and Silas and all the prisoners had stayed behind, when they could have gotten away? The Philippian jailer had listened to them all night long after being beaten severely. They were singing praises to God. They were worshiping and praying and singing praises to God. And when the earthquake happened and all the bands were broken, the jail doors were open. They could have, it's like, Paul and Silas, there's your sign. You've been praying, and look, God set you free. Go. And nobody would have blamed them for leaving. But they stayed behind, and the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself, and they said, don't hurt yourself, for we're all still here. And what does the Philippian jailer say? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what was the answer? Was it a long list of all these things a Christian is supposed to do? No. It was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou wilt be saved. That's the only thing that saves you. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are things that accompany salvation. And it's right here in James. It's just letting you know that if you say you have faith, the works or the fruit is going to come naturally. That's all it's saying here. Now, I know we're running out of time, but uh, I've got to show you something down here. Uh, So, it's it's talking about how if someone is, is hungry and naked and you just pray over them, and say, hope everything works out good for you, and you, you don't provide for what they really need, that's not good. Okay? Even so, this is 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have worked. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. So just believing that there is a God out there doesn't save you. Nope. Jesus said that he was the only way to the Father. That he is, he, Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No one gets to the Father except through me. It's through Jesus. So just believing that there's a God out there, everybody believes there's a God. Even atheists, they'll tell you they don't believe in God, but I promise you, they believe in God. There's no way you can't. You see creation, you condemn yourself because you know there's a creator, and you refuse to accept him. Okay, uh, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? There is a dead faith, and it's just people who just say they are something, but they're really not thorns and briars will come out of that life, and they will eventually be burned up. Then it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Does it say, Was not Abraham our father saved by works? No, it says justified. But if you think justified means saved, then that's where the big problem comes from. There are places in Ezekiel talking about the sisters of Sodom and Samaria, and how they're justified. Justified? Compared to what Judah was doing. And how they were just—they uh, messing up all the sacrifices. They were, they were going after strange gods. They were in idolatry. And, and Ezekiel is telling the people of Judah, of Jerusalem that you're making what Sodom did look good. And, and, and Ezekiel, Ezekiel actually says they're justified. Well, they, they've been in hell for a really, really long time. There is the story of the lawyer coming to Jesus in Luke 10, and he says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, What are the commandments? And the, guy, and the lawyer says, uh, to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yep, you've got it. And he said, well, who is my neighbor? And, and the Bible says that he asked that tr- trying to justify himself. I've got a whole list that I would love to read you of all kinds of different places in the Bible that talk about justify. And it has nothing to do with salvation. Nothing. Now, when Abraham took Isaac up on that mountain, that justified him as far as having faith. Well, when did Abraham get saved? It was 40 years before that. Because Isaac is probably at least 15 at this time, at least. Abraham got the promise when he was 75. So you do the math. 25 years before he had him plus 15 is 40 so 40 would be perfect number perfect number for Abraham to be living out that faith see 40 years before he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness it was only believing God that saved him See, you are called righteous when you believe God, and, 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 and what, what are you believing? You're believing that Jesus Christ went to the cross, took your sins on Himself, died in your place, He was buried, He rose up, and you believe that, and then you're saved. Forty years later, you might be tested, are you really who you say you are? Abraham? When we get over to Hebrews 11, I know you're thinking it's going to be two years from now when we finally get there. But when we get over there, you're going to see where Abraham says there that he knew that God would have to raise Isaac from the dead if he actually killed him on that altar up there. He went up there saying, God has already said that everybody in the world is going to be blessed through this kid right here, And if I kill him because God's told me to do it, then God's got to raise him up. That's how much faith he had. And he went through with it. And that action showed that he really did have true faith. That's all this is saying here in James. It is not mixing works with salvation. Not at all. It's just showing you, the things that will accompany real salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Father, we thank You for the Holy Spirit being inside of us to show us things, to help us. Father, You don't give anybody. No one person gets it all. Father, we are part of the body. Each and every one of us are part of the body. And Father, we help each other. We lift each other up. We keep each other in the faith. Father, we work all together as your body here on this earth. Father, Jesus is the head of the body. And Father, we're looking to him Father, we want to be people who show others the way. And Father, help us in that. And Father, help us to rightly divide the word of truth so that we will just be better able to go out into this world and to be a light in the darkness. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.